Thanks for listening to Bowties and Business. I'm your host, Tim Kubiak. As always, if you haven't done so, please subscribe. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Bowties and Business, on Twitter at Bowties and B-I-Z. And you can find me at Tim Kubiak, at timkubiak.com, on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Today, we're going to take on what a lot of people are truly afraid of, and that's public speaking. Our guest is Mike Acker. He's an executive and communications coach, keynote speaker, and he's the author of four books, including the best-selling Speak With No Fear. He's appeared on numerous book lists, even getting designated as the number one book on overcoming the fear of speaking on Forbes. We go into his backstory. It's a really entertaining episode. He's a highly inspiring person, and I hope you enjoy it. Mike, thanks for being here. Welcome to the show. Do you mind telling our audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Mike Acker, and I'm an author of four different books. I do a lot of leadership coaching, a lot of executive coaching, and I launched a publisher not too long ago because I needed more things to do. You launched your own publishing company then? Yeah, you know what had happened? I had written four of my own books, and I had done the work of publishing them already. And so I figured out, learned a lot about that. And then I had several of my clients, I, I work with many executives, some doctors and all, all kinds of thought leaders. And as they were reaching out to me, they said, I want to do that. And so I kept on pointing to different places. And ultimately I said, you know, let me work on this with you. And after I did it for about six different times with different people, I thought I should probably make this legit and really build out this company. And so just started it a couple months ago. And we have several books that are getting ready to be hot off the press. So pretty exciting about it. It's just a, a continuation of the work that I was already doing, working with the messenger. And now we can publish the message. That's really great. I mean, it brings it all together in a beautiful way. Yeah, it really how, does. It really does. I'm sorry. How, how did you decide to take that jump? Because a lot of times we talk to entrepreneurs here and it's sort of yeah. the last minute thing where they're like, oh, wait, hey, did you just look at your client roster and say, man, you know, these people really need the help? Yeah, yeah. actually, the, the publishing work was something that, you know, I, I, for entrepreneurs, I mean, just anybody who's checking this out, entrepreneurs, think through the thing that people keep on asking you to do and then lean into that. Sometimes we try to create a business niche and a business need that's not, not there. But often people are already coming to you about something. So that's what was happening to me. I published this book. One got on Forbes.com. It's got over 300 positive reviews. So people are giving me calls and clients are giving me calls. Doctors are giving me calls and saying, hey, tell me more about that. So I kept on giving away this free information, right? And, and then I realized, hey, there's, there's something here. And so quarantine hit and I was slowed down for a little bit. And yet some of my clients, it's a perfect time for them to write a book. And so I just offered it as kind of an extension of the communication coaching. Now I was just working in communication writing. So I did some book coaching and then I was just walking them through a self-published aspect of things. It was also during this time that some large traditional publishers reached out to me about writing some books for them. And when I just compared what I was making on my own to what they were offering, I thought it's actually better for me to go on my own. So just putting all this together it just kept on creeping at me, people asking me for help, people asking me to do this. And that's when I realized, you know what? I, I need to go bigger on this. I need to actually create this as a separate business than what I'm doing and, and build that team out instead of just trying to add it into the, the coaching and the, 
the leadership, the communication, the speaking and all of that work. So it, it kind of happened into it. it wasn't something I really planned. I just followed the need. That's the sign of a great entrepreneur, right? Solve, solve the problem that's there. Don't reinvent the wheel. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's the same way. I mean, the first book I wrote was all about just follow the need. I was coaching on the side. I was actually working in sales at the time. And in the evenings, I'd have these different clients. I'd been just doing some side coaching for, for quite some time. And again and again, people were asking me, how do I have more confidence? How can I overcome my insecurity? So I just followed the need, ended up writing out the strategies that I coached people through. And that's how, how, that's how that got going. So I, I, uh, some of these things are really well thought out and planned. And other things is just follow the breadcrumbs, follow the breadcrumbs until you find the cookie. So you follow the breadcrumbs because obviously you mentioned you've got a book that's on the Forbes list, right? So do you mind talking a little bit about the book, what people can get from it? Yeah, absolutely. So, so as I said, I was just doing this coaching on the side and again and again, mostly top level professionals, CEOs even of some really large, well-known company and many doctors who are giving presentations on their expertise were just asking me again and again, Mike, I'm nervous. What do I do? How can I have more confidence? Well, I had a full-time job. So I was actually limiting my coaching to about eight hours a week. That was max. It was 6 a.m. in the morning, my time, sometimes in the evening. And it's just max. So I thought that I would do less work by just writing all my thoughts down. So that is sort of how I got into writing this book. I did a good job in launching it. I studied a lot. I'm very thorough. So I read a whole bunch about it and I, and I put it out there and then it just took off. And from there, it got all these reviews and then Amazon promoted it. Forbes brought it on by one of their contributors. And really, ultimately, I talk about seven strategies that will help you overcome your fear, your nervousness, your anxiety, so that you can be actually energized, excited, and passionate about what you do. So it's been a lot of fun. There's seven different strategies in there. I'm fully aware that not all seven strategies are relevant to every person. Sometimes it's just one nugget that people walk away with. Sometimes it's five. Uh, one guy did pick it up at the Minneapolis airport and he, he called me from the book and he said, this is my new Bible, which I thought was a little bit of exaggeration, but, <laughs> but it was fun. <laughs> that is fun. It's gotta be a big deal to have somebody have bought your book in an airport, right? Because yeah. I'm guessing you're like me, you've, you've seen your fair share of airports, right? And yeah. probably bought your fair share of books there, but have somebody pick up your book and reach out to you because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Although I will say this, Tim, that I have never seen my book in the airport and I keep looking for it from there. So <laughs> I'm hoping that I could actually buy my own book at an airport someday. That'd be, that'd be a little fun. So do you go up to the store manager every time and go, hey, do you have by Mike Acker? <laughs> kind of plant the seed? I, you know, I did it one place and they said, uh, yeah, we can order it for you. So it was at Barnes and Noble. And so I said, yeah, that'd be great. So I ordered my book. They said, who do we send it to? And I said, Mike Acker. So <laughs> that was a little bit embarrassed by the fact that I'm <laughs> asking them to carry my own book on that sense. But, but I have promoted it well elsewhere. And it's been really cool. Really people in Singapore have called me, uh, reach out to me. I have people United Arab Emirates and Zambia. I had uh, people in Sweden, in Germany, in France, several places in the UK, and then across, all across the United States. And ultimately, my big desire from that whole book is still the same desire I have for it now, is that it would help people 
really overcome that nervousness, which I believe there's multiple benefits when you speak with no fear. And one of the benefits is simply this, that when you speak with no fear, you're not given in to the, the health consequences. There's a lot of stress that people carry when they're going into these presentations. They're nervous. They're wondering what people are thinking. And that right there is a benefit of speaking with no fear is simply not having stress, not having something keep you awake. Uh, there's other benefits as well. Like it helps in your relationships. <laughs> if you can get rid of that anxiety and you can communicate better, it helps you in your promotions. It helps you move forward. So ultimately that was my desire from there. I really built a business that came out of that coaching. I had to either lean out of it or lean into it. And I chose to lean into it. What's the most unique thing that came from leaning into and building that business, whether it was personal growth, a client story. Yeah. You know, and I think this is really relevant for so many of the people you're talking to and your audience as they listen in they're, they're entrepreneurs. Uh, they're people who are developing thoughts and want to get it out there. And, and so when I leaned in, I it continued to grow, continued to push. And then at some point in time, I had to say, okay, what am I going to do? And there was, there was fun of just the notice. It was fun getting up on Forbes. It was fun on that. But for a long time for me, it was fun. And I had, I had this consultation job, this sales job that paid well, very secure, and when I leaned in, there came a moment where the two were in competition with each other. And, and that, was, that was a nerve-wracking moment. So I say, when, when you lean into something, be careful because it, you might have unintended consequences. And, and there was a moment where I was quite nervous about what I was going to do. I, I have to get rid of this thing I had built, or I got to get rid of this thing that pays me well and is very secure. So I actually got rid of the corporate Fortune 500 job and leaned fully into, to, into entrepreneurship, into business building. And the first thing that happened, the first thing that happened to your question is I lost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. That's the very first thing. This one over here, the first job, it paid well, but in some ways there was a cap and it was definitely a nine to five and more likely a seven to seven. And so it occupied my time. So the trade-off was, I'm gonna initially make less money, but I'm gonna have more freedom. I'm going to also have some, in some ways, more work. It's gonna be on my mind more, but more rewards. Potential of leaning into the entrepreneurship, in my opinion, is that you have more potential. You have greater heights that you could potentially reach. And that's what I'm already seeing. And I'm new to diving full-time into this. The business has been established for a little while, but it was a side hustle. And now it's a full-time. <laughs> There's incredible benefits. Like uh, this is my favorite part, Tim. I get to pick up my son from kindergarten every day at 2 a.m. Or not 2 a.m. I was just saying, wow, what a kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> It's an overnight kindergarten. <laughs> no, That's good for really sleep. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And everybody, all the kids have masks and all kinds of stuff. Whole different world. But it's been really cool to have that time with him. See, that kind of thing, right? And I was a longtime corporate guy and just, you know, 10 months ago jumped out, right? Because I've well, had enough. Yeah. I've been bought a number of times. I, the last ride was a good ride. And I'm like, I don't want to do this for anybody else because it is 12, 16 hours a day. And at the end of the day, you don't have that control. You miss 
school things and can't work your schedule. You know, we joked before we started recording. I'm not dressed up today because literally you're my last phone call. It's been client calls all morning and I'm going to go ride my bike for two hours. Yeah. And guess what? Nobody can tell me not to. Well, I guess they could, but I don't have to listen anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and what I told you is I was disappointed that you're not wearing a bow tie because I was ready for you to come with a bow tie. So I will say the next time we're face to face, like, or zoom to zoom, I do want to see a bow tie, Tim. Okay. Because it was part of the promise in my mind. (laughs) <laughs> you, you know it's funny this is the third time i've not worn one and it's the third time somebody was disappointed so i'll learn from it <laughs> yeah yeah no i i do love the freedom in and there's two parts of that there's freedom from embracing entrepreneurship even with all the work and even with the different rewards of finances but i also love the freedom aspect that this is something i i strongly believe in I really believe that communication is currency and that if I can help people improve their communication, I'm going to improve their relationships, I'm improve their health, and I'm going to improve their financial well-being. That if they can speak better, if they can get their ideas across, if they can pitch their ideas better on Shark Tank, if they can hold the attention of a seminar, it's going to bring back more business. So it's something I'm passionate about. I help in leadership and coaching as well. I wrote that second book, Lead with No Fear. But ultimately, communication, for me, it's, it's one of those ignored aspects of leadership. So many people just lean into the technicalities of leadership, but communication is a huge part of that. That's my soapbox right there. Yeah, and I, I think that's the perfect soapbox to be standing on because if you look, since the pandemic's hit, there's been more and more written and more and more importance on how leaders are communicating to their team you know, and what they're doing and how they're managing that and whether or not key employees stay with the companies based on that communication. Right. Absolutely. And so many people are reaching out to me now. I mean, now that the pandemic has kind of got to a spot where it's not going to go away right away. People are realizing that, hey, I got to figure out how to do this Zoom thing. I got to get out there and present. And I was bad in person. (laughs) I think I'm bad on Zoom. How do I get better at this? So I walk them through a framework of confidence and really speak with no fear was just the first part of that framework. But really for anybody who, that you're reaching out to your audience here, let me just give them three incredible, incredible areas, sources of confidence that your confidence in communication, your confidence to be an entrepreneur so that you can pitch your idea, get venture capital, get out there in front of people, go to the rotary, write a book, whatever it's, whatever it might be is going to come from three sources. And so those three sources I walk people through, this is actually not in my book. This is just in my coaching programs is first your identity, who you are as a speaker. And, and you and I know this, that we've realized that our, our identity is not that corporate aspect. Although when you're in that world, it feels like it's your identity. Yeah. And so many people get caught up in that. And that's the first source of confidence is not your ability to get the message across. It's actually who you are and understanding who you are as a speaker. You probably had an examination of that when you started launching this podcast. So what am I doing? (laughs) Who am I? I? Uh, In redefining myself, right? So for years, I played very openly. I played sort of the nerd in the corporate world. I, I was not the type A, right? I'm not the super networker. I'm fine in a room with a dozen people. You put me in a room with 5,000 people. I want to go somewhere and read a book or look at an economics report. 
right? <laughs> so, you know, I know I'm a numbers guy and things like that. So when I did the podcast, I did have the benefit of, I had a lot of experience in speaking in a technical realm on specific technologies over the previous 20 years. I, I had a coach that uh, VP hired for me, God, it would be 23 years ago now, 22 years ago, named Paula Pace. Yeah. She just retired. She was out of Nebraska. They flew her into Pittsburgh where I was living at the time. And she came in and I spent three days learning how to give a 10 minute talk and not die. Yep. And all of my success literally built off of that first set of confidence to do that as you know, a younger guy. And I was running an $80 million a year business at that point. I wasn't running a little book of business, but getting up right. on the stage was a different thing. Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing uh, when I talk to people. So I'll do these essentially sales call, right? And so people yeah. will come talk to me and, and I'll say, hey, you know, you can do a program for, for this amount. And it's amazing how many people will pause. And we're not talking excessive amount of money, right? We're talking 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 7,000, depending on what they're looking at. And they'll pause as if that's an astronomical amount to spend on something that can actually break them through to an increase of 20,000 per year. Yeah. And just like what you said, there's, there's a huge value in that. I did some communication classes, well, a lot of them, but I did some additional courses when I was about 23, 24, 25, and I paid for it on a credit card. It was 2000 at the time. I think the same course from Dale Carnegie's 5,000 now. Mm -hmm. And, and I paid for it on credit card, but I do not regret it. I paid it back. And I'm not a guy who like likes to spend lots of things on the card, but I paid it back. And I'm really, I'm so glad I invested that much time and effort. So any younger entrepreneurs, business leaders out there, I'd say this is the time to invest in it so that you're not like a lot of other clients I work with that are so stuck in their communication habits that it's hard for them to learn how to be effective. And they've actually built a separate identity that is actually not who they need to be in front of people, which is one of the reasons why they're so insecure. So many people have these two identities. They have this personhood and a public persona that they put out there. And it's just exhausting them to try to keep living up this this ideal of what they have in their mind as a public persona. So I bring it back and in the book, I have a strategy called you be you and the book's full of anecdotes. Uh, one person on Amazon, I got like over 300 positive reviews, but there are some negative ones. And one person said, it's mostly anecdotal pep talk. I'm like, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> There's lots of stories that encourage people and hopefully encourage them to be, themselves so that they can have confidence that comes from their identity. You know, you can't write a blueprint for everybody. That's what I found even in sales, right? You can do all the work in the world, but you can't write the same blueprint for everybody. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My, my favorite review to look at is this is garbage. This is trash. There's nothing to value in it. So anytime I just need a little bit of humility, I read that review <laughs> and, and remind myself, you're not going to please everybody. Yeah. So I don't admit this often, but one of the things I love to do when I'm going to make a purchase is I go read the bad reviews. And if they're yeah. just anecdotal themselves, if there's not specifics, like the wheel falls off this bike every two miles or whatever, right? You're just like, yeah, mm, personal difference. Okay. And then I'll go read the good reviews. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, mine are kind of funny. There's, a, there's some, and hey, I get it. It's not going to be for everybody. But that identity aspect really is that identity aspect that you learned. I love what 
that Warren Buffett said, and he's one of my favorite examples in this, that he had done his, his MBA, he was in, intelligent, he's educated, he had great internships, but one of the things that he has hanging on his office still, to my knowledge, is a certificate of a public speaking course that he signed up for. And today's, I think it was like $27 at the time, no, $100 at the time, with equivalent today is $917. And he said, that's the best money I ever spent on my development, is this ability to communicate. And any good communication coach is going to walk you through, you are the message. It's not just what you say. It's not just how you organize your thoughts. It's who you are. It's what you think of yourself when you're on stage. It's what you think of yourself in, and do you have value to add to people? Are you someone that's worthy to listen to? So many people rush. In fact, I just, to your audience here right now, if you're rushing when you speak, why is it that you're rushing? It's not a skill issue. You do know how to speak slower. If you have a hard of hearing relative, you can exercise the skill to speak slower. So you have the skill and your message does not necessitate you rushing. So where does that rush come from? And it's typically an identity question, not as in like who I am as a person, but who am I as a person who speaks? I'm a person who has something valuable to say. And so I do not have to rush my words because I have value to add. So identity, and then I go on with people and I work on their messaging because, yeah, see, you have to be coherent, have your thoughts organized, and be able to get them across. And then skills. So often the people work on just skills like, hey, Mike, I just need some tips and tricks to get better. And there are some tips and tricks to get better as a communicator. You know that. Yep. But if that's where you start, that's like, that's putting the icing on the cake and just expecting everybody to like it because there's lots of icing or, or maybe sprinkles is a better example. Yeah. But you <laughs> forgot to bake it, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> forgot to bake it. There's, there's nothing of substance underneath. And some people are like, yeah, that's great. That sounds great to me. All, all I want is sprinkles anyways. <laughs> I want sprinkles and icing. <laughs> yeah. Great cake right there. Yeah. Do you find people hiding behind slides? or too much content on slides or shared screens in a Zoom world because they're yeah. unsure of themselves? Yeah, I think, you know, you've gone into those mixers where you're wondering what to do with your hands. And so back in the day, when I was a teenager, we all smoked cigarettes because we're hiding behind the cigarette. I didn't like cigarettes, but I just wanted to hide behind it. It made me feel like I had something to do. And, and then nowadays we got coffee cups or really a cell phone, right? And so you got yep. all these people hiding behind a cell phone. So if you go into a place and there's lots of people around you and you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable, what do you do? You pull out your cell phone and then, then you're busy. People think that you're doing something of value and you're probably just playing the latest version of whatever Angry Birds type, type game is out there. And that's how slides and workbooks and screen shares can be, that we're hiding behind something. When, when you think about a visual and you think about a supplemental material it's always supposed to be supplemental which means it's added on top right it's not the main thing when you're speaking the most important thing when you are speaking is you as a speaker it's not what you're saying and it's not what you're showing it's you and some people push back on that when they hear that and they say well mike i have to say something of value obviously it's not just you getting up there and modeling something to somebody and just standing up there and looking good that's not the case. But 
if it was just about the content that you were about to deliver, the material that you were about to deliver, then you would just put it in a brief, hand it to them, and they could read it themselves. The reason you're speaking is because they want a speaker. They want someone to give that material. They want someone to present that material. They want someone in front of them relaying that information to them. So that means you are the most important person, the important part of the speech. You, the speaker. So who are you? Don't hide behind what you're saying and don't hide behind what you're showing. So you're the primary, the material secondary, and that means that thing that we typically put as primary is actually tertiary. Really, we don't need that. You could describe it in words. Now, there are some cases where that's not completely true, but it's really tertiary. So if I was walking you through a whole bunch of numbers right now, I would not be looking at it, walking you through frame by frame. I would probably pause. My message would say, pause right here and allow people to process this. And then I would use the skill of stepping aside and pointing at the visual. But ultimately I'd come back and draw the conclusions that we need to draw from that because they wanted a speaker and not just a slideshow. So for, for anybody who's got work decks, slide decks, and workbook slide decks, visuals, screen shares, remember, whenever you're presenting, you are of primary importance. Don't hide behind anything else. Look good, feel good, address the identity question, and you're gonna come across way more confident than you just pointing at a slideshow and, and bunting it over to that. So, so a long answer to your question, but it is something I'm passionate about. Do people hide? Yes. So you work with doctors, you work with executives. And I think a lot, something that I preach a lot myself is people earlier in their career don't realize how many people it takes to stand up that executive, if you will. There's a team behind them, there's coaches, there's experts, there's everything, right? Yeah. How do you get past that imposter syndrome, if you will, right? That somebody feels that they have to be the absolute authority on everything and doesn't ever want to get peppered with the question they can't answer. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a big believer in being humble in your presentation. And so when I do more on the executive coaching and working with people, identifying what you're good at and then really finding that team that, that you can bring around you. So this morning I, I led a team meeting for a company there's, it's a, it's a startup. It started up in February. So I'm working with them on building the team and it went from one person with vision and now he's got eight team members, which is pretty cool. And I've been walking him through this whole pathway of delegation that the first thing that you need to delegate is the things that you're not, not good at. The second thing that you need to delegate are the things that you don't like to do. The third thing is the things that you like to do. And the last one, the things that you are good at and you never delegate responsibility. So I walked him through this and we're walking through this with a team. Any executive who's leading well, and I'm sure there's lots of people who are just more in a positional role, but they'll have already delegated that. And it doesn't mean that those are tasks that are not important and they're not needed. They are. But to really be effective as a leader, you need to be operating in what's most valuable and profitable for you to be doing. And then really acknowledge what everybody else is doing that brings value to you. I love the books by, by Patrick Lencioni. I've been a fan of his for years. And in one of his books, he talks about the leader who just sits back and is processing all the valuable information from his team 
including his executive assistant. And then he brings that all into himself and he draws a conclusion or he brings the, the conversation to a close. I think it's so valuable for executives or people who want to be there. Learn humility, whatever spot you're at, learn humility and learn the ability to praise the people around you. One of the biggest uh, difficulties I ever had was learning humility the, the hard way. And it's much better to humble yourself than to be humbled. That's a very important point and a great lesson in and of itself. If you don't mind, can we step away a little bit from the business world? Can we talk about your background? Because you have a little bit different of a path. And I, yeah. Do you mind yeah. sharing? Yeah. I mean, I actually love starting about my background actually with my parents because my dad was a drug dealer and my mom was a witch. So that was the most, <laughs> what's the most interesting thing about you? My dad was a drug dealer. My mom was a witch. Or if I want to put this in more like more business terms, my, my dad was a entrepreneur <laughs> and he had started his own business when he was in college and he realized how much money he could make. And so instead of pursuing a, uh, his degree, he, he, he did that. Uh, they then had a radical transformation in their life and changed their own values. They became Christians and very involved in helping the world be a better place. So in the 80s, we were helping people with HIV back when you still thought you could catch it by sitting on the wrong toilet. And then we were helping food banks and we're going down to the nursing homes. And my parents just felt so grateful for this change in life that they just wanted to teach us how to pay it forward. And so they just did some really cool things. That led us down to Mexico where we were serving the poor and disenfranchised in the outskirts of Mexico, where a lot of the kids grew up to be the cartel of Sinaloa. And so a lot of the people we've worked with have been influenced by the cartels in Sinaloa, which is where we lived. So I lived there for seven years. And then I was at this crossroads where was I going to go in the professional world or what did I, what did I want to do? And at that point in time, I was looking at just, I was just looking at money. I was just looking at that. And so I was accepted to the top law school of Mexico and you go straight into law school for five years. I was accepted. It's a big deal. And then I had a change and just in talking to some people really decided that I wanted to maybe more follow in the footsteps of my parents. So I ended up becoming a, a pastor and did that for 19 years, did all kinds of church plants and missions work, planted schools and churches and feeding centers and Mazatlan and Senegal, built wells, did all kinds of really cool things in the United States and outside of the United States. And then, and then I just, hit a wall. 19 years into it, I didn't want to go to church, <laughs> which when you're a pastor and you've been a senior pastor for 10 years and you don't want to go to church, it's kind of, it's kind of a deal breaker right there. <laughs> it's kind of what you're having to do. And I had just, and this is where it comes to that pride. I'd done so well for so long that I kind of thought, that I kind of thought I was pretty amazing. And, and it led to some issues and it led to me stepping down and just, just ultimately then saying, well, who am I? Going back to that identity question, maybe a reason why I push into identity so much is because I had to ask that. And so who, who am I? I? I thought I was a pastor and that's, that's who I was. And I realized that 
it's a classic cliche. I'm not a human doing, I'm a human being. And pulled back, we relocated back to um, a town I'd lived in 20 years before, just on the other side of Seattle, and just took a pause. And that's when I ended up going to sales and just enjoying the professional life, did quite well in sales, took a territory, grew at large, and, and just took a breather and reevaluated why I had been doing different things. And so often, so often when someone goes into ministry, and this is true in other areas too, is when you start really, really high on passion and low on skills. But the, the longer you're in whatever you do, and I'm aware that it could happen to what I'm doing now, is that over the course of time, whatever happens, that your passion lowers. And for me, there's several factors. Pride was one of them. But the passion lowers as your skill goes up. And now you're not leaning into heart and faith and those internal aspects, but you're really leaning into your skills and your own ability, which builds that pride. Right here, you know that you're not good at it, but you have heart for it. <laughs> you know, you're launching a business, right? You're an entrepreneur, you're launching something, and you know that you're not actually great at communicating. Maybe you're not great at sales, but man, you, you work hard, you have tons of heart, but over the course of time, your skills go up and that heart, those internal values goes down. And and when I stepped away from ministry and just had a time to really think through who I was, what was important to me, revisit the values I had written down so long ago, I'd realized that I had relied more on what I could do than, than really focus on who I was. So I reiterated this, find a balance in my life. And actually had several churches reach out to me about becoming their pastor, large churches. And so I had an opportunity to go back in and then my wife and I just decided that we liked what I was doing on the side and that I would go full time with that. Now, that's the story a little bit. Obviously, there's many nuances and there's more details, but the story of ultimately grace in my life, grace that affected my parents and for them to restart and grace for me to experiment, grace for me to be myself, grace for me to have some failure in my life, to be humbled, grace to start in a job that I didn't know anything about, and then grace to start something on my own. That's Man, grace will do a lot. An amazing series of transitions. If you really look, starting with your parents to your childhood, <laughs> all the way yeah. through where you are today. Now, I'll tell you, all along the way, I get the you were selling something. It was just different. <laughs> the sales yeah. guy, right? Yeah. And, and those are all skills, yeah. though, that probably built on each other. If you look at your time as a pastor, that probably helps you develop a territory, would be my assessment just on the surface. And the ability right. to develop a territory obviously grew into a side hustle that turned into your business. Yeah, and the ability to articulate my thoughts. And, and so much, I'm so glad I trained on how to articulate my thoughts. I took all these master's classes and, and as part of a master's I was doing and all these other things to just learn how to communicate better because I was a pastor. But what's interesting is the whole way, and, and for 19 years as pastor, I was training others because I raised up lots of leaders and business leaders in the church would come to me and ask me how to communicate better. And so I would do little workshops for free for the people in my church. And I would train other churches and I would train missionaries. And I would just, so I had been doing this on the side for a long time. That's why it was this side hustle that was just a natural way for me to make some extra money. And, and then I wrote the book and then I just kept on, as I said at the very beginning, kept on following that, that breadcrumbs until I find the cookie. <laughs> and then I found another cookie to find. <laughs> from I was just saying, so you took those breadcrumbs 
you found something else, but you've also written more books. What led to the other books in, that you've done? Yeah, so I wrote the, the Speak With No Fear. And by the way, I think it's a, a fantastic book. I like it. Uh, it's got all these five-star ratings on Amazon and I'm kind of a realist. I'm like, it's probably a four-star. It's probably not a five-star, but it's hitting home to a lot of people. So so it's it's been a great one. Then I wrote, uh, really, I was just going to do a free work, a free little small book for people. So I wrote on, one on how to write speeches, but then I realized that it's actually more relevant. And so I kept on writing more on it. Uh, that one's been picked up by some colleges as part of their curriculum on how to write a speech. So it's been cool to see just colleges pick it up and reach out to me. And so just some community colleges, nothing major. It's not an academic type book, but it's really relevant. So if you have a speech to write, interview to give, presentation to give, it's a great book. So that's called Right to Speak, part of a series. And then, and then from that no fear framework that I was talking about earlier, um, another executive coach and speaker, and he's got a really big name and he's all over the place doing these large keynotes. Well, he and I were connected through family. And so he just pitched an idea out to me the week before the pandemic hit. So right before quarantine happened, we were meeting at a cafe and we were just talking about ideas and such and just ideas that were getting across. And I was just having lunch with him and he pitches this idea. Well, the next week we can't leave our house in the Seattle area. And we're just, so what do you do? So we wrote a book. So we spent the next 45 days ish writing the book, collaborating every day, working together. And that was this whole idea of how to lead with no fear. And originally we were kind of thinking about pandemic and how do you lead in a time of fear. But then we realized that it was really relevant for all over. So we got that done and then it was in production process. And while it was getting in the production process, I took an old book that I had written years ago and I was looking at it and I had this thought in my mind where when I was when I was in that spot where I didn't want to go to church, I had this thought in my mind, go back and read what you wrote years ago. So I went back and I read my own preaching, my own teaching. And that was actually one of the reasons I got back into faith life and back into serving others was going back and listening to my own, own advice from when I was 27. So I read that. And then in quarantine, while I was getting Lead With No Fear produced, I put it together, wrote a new introduction and conclusion, and then went ahead and got that published as well. So those are my four books, Speak With No Fear, Write to Speak, Lead With No Fear, and Grow Your Soul. And they're on Audible, and they're on Amazon, and they're at Barnes & Noble, and all over the place. And it's, it's been a fun journey. And we'll, we'll have some more books coming out. And Tim, I'm, I'm ready to publish your book now, too. You're ready to publish my book. I've got a title. It came up with it the other day. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I think, I think you should. I think every podcaster should, should publish a book about their main content. You know, it's interesting. So I've looked at that um, and I got hooked up with, and it, by the time this comes out, it'll be public, um, a company called Health Trends AI through a woman who had been our general counsel in a previous corporate life. And I show up at the first meeting and it's a public health initiative is what it really is. And it, it grew out of the pandemic. And mm -hmm. I show up and everybody's got Ivy League degrees, right? Mm -hmm. And they're speaking a language I don't understand. I know nothing about infectious diseases. I know nothing about medicine other than my wife is a nurse and my daughter is a nurse. And that's great. Wow. I leave that to them, right? Yeah. I know how to sell stuff. And I'm sitting literally in a room with a bunch of, or in a Zoom with a bunch of people with Cornell, Yale, and Harvard degrees. Yeah. And they're all going on and on and on. And, and I've jokingly titled it dumbest guy on the Zoom 
<laughs> because these people are so brilliant, but they don't yeah. getting a product to market and making it so the average you know, practitioner, even in their professions can understand it is a whole different challenge. So we'll see where it goes. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. I think it's a, it's a very vital, vital role that, um, that oh, vital way that we can get our message out. And yeah. so putting it together, even if it's just for the people that were immediately influencing, it's so vital. So I have not pushed my Grow Your Soul book because that's not really the space that I'm mostly in. But many people have picked it up and said, hey, thank you for that. I was in the same spot. So you can touch that life with the, those, those words that you write. That It's like sitting down with somebody. I want my books to read as if they're having a conversation with me and I'm just coaching them. There's so, a beauty in that accessibility, right? You know, mm -hmm. because it's just a conversation. It doesn't need to be, right. you know, 6,000 pages long and very technical. Yeah. Yeah. So what's yeah. next? What's next? So really right now, it's, so I just launched out full time. Like it was growing and growing and growing on the side. And when I was doing both, it got up to about 20 hours a week and it was just too much to manage. Quarantine hit, opened me up a bit more. My sales job came back online, closed me down a little bit more. So I said, I'm just going to go full in. So what's next is what I just started, which as I just did as of a month ago, jumped into this full time. And just this is, this is what I do. I coach leaders and I coach speakers. And then on the side now, my second company that I'm building out is we publish books and we have a team that's working towards that. Those are the two things we do. Ultimately, I think there's going to be a trio of companies that I oversee and that I'm involved in. And we're going to have the book. The, that's one part of it. We're going to have the messenger. And then we're going to have the business. And we're really coaching business. So I've been able to lead businesses. I've been able to coach business leaders. been able to do that. And so some people come to me with that. So there's a whole pipeline of different things. Uh, books that are coming out. There's a pipeline of some leadership programs that we're launching. And there's a pipeline of a mastermind group that I'm doing. And then there's a plan in the future of building a business. But right now, right now, it's enjoying, and this is the most important part, with all of the goals and ambitions and desires to help people with the businesses and the products I'm building. For me, the best part is that I get to pick up my son at 2 p.m. every single day. That's next, that I get to pick him up. That's, that's a lot of fun. So if people head over to MikeAcker.com, they can find everything you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can do that. And then there's a great spot where you can book a call with me and I do these 20, 30 minute confidence calls. Just be very frank. They are a sales call in the sense of, I would love for you to sign up for a program if it's going to bring value to you. But in those calls, I've had some people show up and they're just thinking it's going to be a pitch. And I say, what is something I can do during this time that's going to ha add value to you? Let me just give you something for free. Let me find something in you that you're doing that I can improve in this time that let's not just spend 30 minutes on a sale that may or may not result in you purchasing something. Let's do something that you go back and go, you know what? I didn't sign up for a program, but man, I appreciate Mike spending some time with me. So right now, because I'm new on that, I've just opened myself up and not just team members up. And I'm excited to do 30 minute Zoom confidence calls with people. So there's going to be that link. I gave that to you, but it's just super easy. Advanced.as.me forward slash confidence set up a confidence call with me and let's improve your confidence in leadership and speaking or other areas of life.
what didn't I ask you that I should have? <laughs> yeah, I, I think we did go away from our intended script, but we went some great places that we wouldn't have gone. And so I, I don't think there's anything that, that is really hugely lacking other than our years of life combined. And I'm sure you and I could find many different ways to connect. What's lacking? Hey, thank you so much for, for having me on your show. That's what's lacking. I appreciate what you're doing here and I appreciate having a chance to be on it. it it's been a real pleasure. Um, obviously for anybody listening, uh, links are all in the show notes. We'll be featured Mike in upcoming newsletters as well. So if you don't subscribe to those, please go do that. And thanks for being here.